Chad and Jay Mansbridge here, lead pastors of Bayside Church International, based here on the south coast of South Australia. Our great passion as a church is to help people to know Jesus and to demonstrate His love, truth and life in everything that we do. We hope you enjoy today's message. Where's Alex? Wave to me, Alex. The one that gave it, talked about the... His little daughter, his grand five-year-old granddaughter. Okay, I have a scripture for you. It's John chapter 21, verse 10, that says, bring me some fish. (laughs) 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 I'm sorry. But more seriously, Louis, where are you? Uh, Can you come out near me here, Louis? I have a scripture for you too. Revelation chapter 21, verse 11 and I'm, you can, it's fine. It's, I'm taking it way out of context, but yet, in a way, I think I, it should be, I should do so, because it's the words that Jesus gave to John, and he said, John, what you see, write it in a book. And I want to give you that, two things about that verse. What you see, because, I mean, every human being has the capacity to imagine things. We can all do that. But as a spirit-filled believer, you have the help from the Holy Spirit as well. And so... And say, what you see, write it. And uh, whether it's published or not is really not so important. It's a matter of getting it down, getting the words there. Um, I'm thinking also of uh, Psalm 45, verse 1, which is, um, my pen is that of a ready writer. Phrase, ready writer. And I just want to say a bit more than that too. And say, I don't know what you do, anything, but you obviously write, uh, or you're planning to, (laughs) or something. Uh, Say, you know, don't stop. Keep writing, keep writing. And... um, Keep forming words, keep putting them together because there's power in that, there's power in the word. Um, that's the one uh, behavioral thing that really distinguishes human beings from other living creatures. That we can talk, we can use words. No one else, nothing else can do that. So it's a unique thing. Make the most of it because it's a powerful thing. And I want to pray with you now for God to take your words and writing for children that uh, they will have a, an impact upon kids, not just to entertain them, which is nothing wrong with that, by the way. Good stories should be entertaining. Um, but, uh, but also that um, the values will come through, your values, godly values. You don't have to preach it, love, just be there. It's part of the story. But learn how to do that so that your stories can touch people, touch children's lives powerfully. Is that all right? Okay. All right, Lord, I just pray for Louis now in Jesus' name. I pray to your Father that his words that he says and writes will be powerful words. And... Uh, we think how the Bible says about your word that it will not return empty, but it will accomplish what its, its purpose is. And I pray that for Louis' words as well, Isaiah 55, that Louis' words will not re- go out empty, but they will return powerfully uh, as he sends them out. Pray for the children who read them. And Lord, then, uh, that books that are just on, on the surface, just stories, will still have in them values and uh, ideas and concepts that would touch children and alert them to the reality of the things of God. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. (laughs) All right. How do you do that? All right. Okay. This morning I want to talk to you on the subject, dress your best. Dress your best. And uh, I hope you've read all that while we've been doing other things here. Okay. So, here we are. 
All right. I want to read first of all from Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12. And the words there are on the screen as you can see. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Patience. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. We have a prayer here. I wonder if you'd pray the prayer with me. Pray it aloud now as we come to look at the Word of God together this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to your Word today, please give us sharp minds to understand and soft hearts to believe. In Jesus' name. Amen. Notice we did not pray for soft minds and hard hearts. <laughs> Sharp minds, soft hearts. All right. Now, this passage tells us some things about ourselves. First of all, I look at it, it says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, etc. Um, this is a passage that's directed to people whom God has chosen. Um, it's not always a popular subject. Some people think that the minute you talk about being chosen, you're immediately being exclusive. And of course, in today's society, that's a, a very much an offensive thing. You know, you've got to include everybody in everything these days. No matter who they are, what they do, everybody's okay. Well, there's a sort of a truth in that. But there's a sort of an untruth in it too, and a pretty powerful one, that people are different in all sorts of ways. And whether it's us choosing God or God choosing him, uh, either way we make choices, he makes choices. And he has chosen you to follow him. And uh, that's a wonderful thing. Wonderful thing. It's a humbling thing. I don't know about you, but I look at myself sometimes and I know me better than anybody else, I think. And I know my own failings and weaknesses and so on. I think, God, sure you could have done better than me. Uh, and I think we all feel that because we, we are aware of the fact that we are part of a fallen race. But God has chosen us. God has chosen us. And there's nothing exclusive about that. It's not just a matter of some chosen to be saved and some chosen to be damned. It's not that. In fact, in the scripture, uh, some... Uh, uh, whoops, doesn't say it there after all. What can we do to go back there? Okay. Um, in the scripture, uh, there are, in the New Testament, there are some 50 references to being called or chosen. And almost every single one of those talks about being chosen to be holy. We'll come on to that again in a moment. Okay, so it's not a matter just about you know, God being sort of uh, just um, casual and picking out saying, save, lost, save, lost, save. You know, it's not that. He's chosen people to be like Jesus. Okay? So um, don't get too fussed about the other questions that people raise. Let's just get hold of the truth for a start. And uh, if you are concerned about the old Arminian-Calvinistic debate, if that means anything to you, then uh, I work it out like this. Um, I was chosen, I was called rather, to be an Arminian, so I chose to be a Calvinist. <laughs> you work it out. All right. Uh, okay, and so it leads us to the next thing. You are holy. There it is, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. And the word holy means separate. It... Uh, and there's the thing I just quoted before. All those references in the New Testament, uh, they, um, there's about 50 of them. They nearly all refer to being holy uh, over and over again. Ephesians verse there, it just says exactly that. You are called and chosen to be holy and blameless before him. 
So this is what we're talking today about holy people, chosen people, holy people. Uh, people have been called to be separate from the world, different from the world, different from the ways of the world. And it's hard because these days, as I've mentioned already, uh, nowadays, uh, um, well, I, I, just, I just read just yesterday, in the yesterday's weekend Australian, that uh, Nancy Pelosi, the head of the uh, Senate in the, in the American Parliament, uh, recently suggested that they should ban in the Parliament any usage of words like mother, father, auntie, uncle, brother, sister. And so instead of saying, well, I visited my aunt yesterday, say, no, I visited my parent's sibling yesterday. Uh, that sort of thing. Now, hopefully, the parliamentarians in America, at least once in their lives, will have enough sense <laughs> to reject that. But, you know, it's just this absolutely absurd thing of saying, we can't identify anybody anymore as anything. Or we just this great sort of amorphous mass somehow, just absurd situation. But the Bible is very specific. We are called to be holy. And that means we cannot do what everybody else does. We cannot be what everybody else is. And we need to recognize the differences, even the plain biological ones, but certainly the godly ones and the spiritual ones. Okay, that's who we are. And if people can't tell the difference between us and the world... Something's wrong somewhere. Jesus said, beware when everybody speaks well of you. Luke 6, 26. We'd say, hang on, didn't he mean beware when they all speak ill of you? No, he meant what he said. Beware when everybody speaks well of you. To follow him, to be like him, as we sang before, is to take a pathway which inevitably will lead to conflict somewhere. Because it's not the way of the world, the way of holiness. And that's what we have been called to. Okay? Thirdly, we are beloved. Right? Here is the same verse again. Colossians 3.12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. And uh, that's a very powerful statement. Well, I know we could speak weeks about that. Because, uh, but the, the word used here, it's the, from the noun agape, the verb agapeo, and it means to love unconditionally. And that's the kind of love that we read about in the New Testament. It simply means we love people regardless. God loves us regardless. That's an amazing thing, amazing thing. That God loves us like that. So if I had to ask Chad a question, say, Chad, does God love you or does Jesus love you? What would you say? Is that all? <laughs> Let me ask you why. What, what would you say if I asked you, does God love you? getting better all right <laughs> i mean i was thinking today if somebody asked me barry does god love you and i said well, yeah i suppose yeah. not very convincing is it okay well somebody once asked the theologian carl bart i'm sorry about that i didn't mean to offend you no, no, no. So, so, i'll give you another chance chad does god love you Absolutely. oh now we're getting there all right good okay Someone once asked the great theologian, Karl Barth, what was the most important thing he'd ever learnt in all his studies of theology. Now, Barth wrote literally thousands of pages of theology. It's, it's heavy stuff, but it's had a major worldwide effect. And there's a story that he was once asked that question at a university lecture that he gave. 
uh, talked about, what is the one great truth you've learned more than any other? And his answer was this, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And I'm sure those words are familiar to some of you. You remember that one? Yeah. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Those the little ones to him belong. It's a children's song. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Remember that one? Come on, let's stand. Let's stand and have a good. Come on, stand up, please. <coughs> All right, ready? Clear your throat. <coughs> Take a deep breath. <laughs> Jesus loves me. Before we get to the chorus, and the first time we sang very sweetly, yeah, Jesus. No, this time, when we come to the word yes, when we come to the word yes, okay, let's do it like this. Yes, <laughs> Jesus loves me. You all right? Have a practice. Just yes. Come on. Yes. yes. All right. Come on now. Yes, yes. Jesus loves me. Yes, yes. Jesus loves me. Yes. yes. Okay, thanks. You could be seated. That's a <coughs> Last time I was here, we sang a song like that in the middle of the message, and uh, I asked for a copy of the video or the something later, audio. I listened to it. I noticed that the song had been cut out, and I was very relieved. <laughs> you notice, so that's why I was doing this today. just in case they happen to leave it in. All right. Now, so we get to our topic, be dressed in your best. Okay. All right. Now, I don't know if you've noticed this morning, but is there somebody you've seen here in the congregation who uh, has, is wearing something that is very distinctive or very colourful or very eye-catching? Anybody notice? Oh, yeah. Who, who is she? Ellie. Ellie, yeah, she looked pretty good. Yeah. But she's not here now, I guess. No, okay. She would have one hands down, all right. So, has anybody noticed anybody else? Yeah? Sorry? Jay. Uh, who, who, so, so they say you, Jay, is that you? Okay, you can stand up for me, please. Yeah. Okay. And, and you've been nominated too, the lady in the green skirt here. You've been, someone pointed you out. Would you like to stand up? Okay. Come on, give us a couple more people that look really colourful or distant. Yes, who? <laughs> uh, oh, okay. <laughs> All right, good. Okay. So, oh, no, no, it's, it's, it's right. Yeah. Um, 
Well, one, one of the qualities we talked about this morning is humility, so go back to it. <laughs> all right. Now we've, we've got... <laughs> we've got... Oh, oh. There must be one bloke, at least, that looks a little bit colourful or distinctive. Oh, sorry. One, one, one partner of a partner of something. <laughs> you, you can't talk that way, can you? <laughs> Jono up the back. Who's Jono up the back? Show us your shirt, Jono. Oh, there we are. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you. Okay. So um, there's something. Joan, how did they miss you? You look pretty good. Stand up. Look at that. That's, she's good. That's lovely. Yeah. Beautiful. All right. So why are we doing that? Not just to have a joke, but to say, um, yeah, clothing has a message. Yeah. Did I say something wrong? No. <laughs> when what we wear, every time we get dressed, our clothing is, is, has a message, gives a message. It either says we're in a sport, sportful frame of mind or a serious frame, professional, or, or whatever it might be. Or in some cases, some people... Their clothing doesn't have any message because they don't even give any thought to what they wear. But uh, most of us, we dress in a way that says our, we want our clothes to say something about us. We also dress because you look a lot better dressed than we would otherwise. But that's, uh, that's another story. Now, um, so we're going to be talking now about a spiritual kind of clothing. Okay? So it says put on then. And the word literally means get dressed in. That's what it means. And to put on, you know, just to say, we would say put on clothes. So get dressed in uh, as God's chosen, holy and beloved ones, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another. So let's look at these items here. And it's because we are chosen, holy and beloved, we can then be dressed in our best. All right. So, what we said all that? All right, the word put on, interesting, Greek language has some peculiarities that English doesn't have, and one of them is as a way of saying put on, which clearly means put on once and that's it. There's another way of saying it. I mean, it could mean put on over and over and over again. That's not what, it, not what the meaning of the text is. It is put it on and leave it on. And of course, if these are the qualities we want to put on, holiness, love, compassion, humility, and so on, then clearly, why would you want to take them off? <laughs> well, put them on, leave them on. And so the Christian life is not saying to, to oh, today I'm... I'm just going to wear compassion, not going to wear humility today. <laughs> you, you can't. It doesn't work like that. You put it on, stays on. Wow. Put it on, stays on. That's the whole uh, point of this today. These are the clothes. And so, just as we said before, uh, you know, Joan looks beautiful in her lovely blouse, and Jono looks great in his shirt. That's, that's good. And uh, beautiful pink cape. Yeah, yeah. Special. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> Keep trying. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, uh, just as we, we've drawn attention to people's items of clothing, we're saying this morning, what about spiritual clothing? And we're going to look at these, these spiritual things and um, I want to ask you some questions about these. Okay. Well, well first of all, let's look at them. First one is compassionate hearts. And, yeah, yeah. and uh, the word for, this word for compassion in the New Testament is the word splank. Now, it's actually based on the word for bowels or viscera. And uh, so, you know, it's a funny sort of word because, but, um, so Paul says in one place, um, 
uh, my bowels go out to you. And we say, what? What is he talking about? But then we would say, oh, my heart goes out to you. So we sort of make it sound rather better. We kind of sweeten it all up and use the word heart. But often when you see the word heart in the New Testament, actually the Greek word is word for viscera. The other part, and, and, and oh, I didn't mean to do that. It's just okay. Um, actually, this is the place, part where you feel things. You don't actually feel things here. The heart really doesn't have any feeling. But down here, you do. And you feel it. So, you know, we talk about having butterflies in the stomach and so on. That's where you feel things. And so, compassion is a deeply felt concern for other people. So, it really hurts when we experience compassion for people. So, Paul says, put that on. Put compassion on. Make that part of your spiritual clothing. That you have a, a willingness to feel the needs of others, uh, willing, willing to feel hurt for others, if, if that's how, what it comes to. But that's the deeply rooted thing here. Put on then compassion uh, in, in your heart. You want to be careful how you deal with this. Uh, we got an engaged couple here this morning. Engaged couple? No. Anybody would like to be engaged? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, too bad. Um, <laughs> I was just going to say, yeah. Imagine a young man, he's sitting in the moonlight with his sweetheart, you know, and they're down by the sea, and the waves are gently flapping, moonlight on the wave tops. So he looks at her and he says, Darling, I love you with all my kidneys. <laughs> it doesn't exactly work somehow, does it? <laughs> okay, let's bother. All right. So, one of these my this one. All right. So, kindness. Interesting, this word, uh, in, in Greek, it's the word Christos. If you change the E to an I, you have the Greek word for Christ, that is Christos. And so there's a kind of a, a little relationship there. In fact, one of the early Roman writers said that Christians are people who worship somebody called Christos, Jesus Christos. And he got it wrong. He thought Christians worship Jesus the kind one. And in fact, he got it right, <laughs> because we do worship Jesus the kind one. And that's what the word Christos, it's very closely related to the word for anointing. So um, putting on kindness means being like Jesus, being gentle, uh, being, being good in as much ways as we possibly can. So that's, that's Christos. Um, the word Jesus used the word in one of his parables um, when he talked about old wine and new wine. He said the old wine is actually kind wine. It's Christos oilos. It's kind wine. <laughs> so, uh, it's more mellow, and it's just got a warming. It's like you know, a really cold day when you're feeling sick. It's like it's a warming, uh, kind feeling. So that's the idea about, about kindness. And then humility, uh, that's uh, humbleness of mind, pretty obvious. And you all heard the story, I think, haven't you, about the guy who won a medal for being the most humble person in his church. Then they took it away from him because he wanted to wear it. <laughs> and that's the problem with humility. <laughs> It's very hard to boast about, <laughs> very hard to get excited about. <laughs> so what does humility mean? Well, humbleness, being willing to be unrecognized. And that, that's a really hard bit, especially when you've done something good. And what if somebody else gets the credit for it? That's tough when that happens. Or if nobody gets the credit, but just things happen and nobody gets any credit for it. Well, a humble person says, that's all right. Didn't do it for the credit. Didn't do it for the praise or the glory. I did it because it was good to be done. Humility. And pride, of course, is the opposite of humility. And pride is a devastatingly evil and wicked thing. 
that hurts so many people and causes so much damage as uh, you probably noticed in the United States recently. Okay, meekness, another word for that is gentleness, uh, treating people tenderly. said about Jesus that uh, he would not break a bruised reed and a fluttering, flickering candle he would not put out. It's interesting, interesting expressions uh, that he wouldn't just snub a candle because it wasn't working properly or just break a plant because it wasn't growing properly. He would tenderly care, the plant, care for the plant or tenderly treat the candle to make it shine more brightly again. And that's, that's, uh, that's meekness, gentleness. It's treating people with gentleness, with tenderness, with care, not with roughness and brusqueness and those other sort of qualities. And then there's patience. Word for patience in Greek, uh, the macro part of the word that comes into English a lot. We, it means much or a lot. And the thumia is so one of the words for suffering. And macrothumia literally means long-suffering. Putting up with things for a long time, and that's all right. Just staying with it and carrying with it. And many of you here today have been in situations like that. You possibly uh, still are, where there's a load to carry. And it's hard and it's tough, but you just stick with it. You just stay with it. Uh, even though it's difficult, even though it's hard, even though it's painful, even though it's... Uh, annoying even though sometimes it makes you feel depressed you know long suffering just as well and as long as it's there i'll stick with it i'm not going to give up that's that's long suffering all right and then the last one forbearance which is very similar uh, which means long suffering but this time towards other people not being patient with your own suffering but be patient with what other people do and sometimes the things they do that cause you further suffering or further grief uh, forbearance, just bearing with other people, bearing with their foibles, bearing with their annoying habits, bearing with the fact that they can't be like you, and bearing with all the things that you, you don't like sometimes about other people. Forbearance. So Paul says, put all these things on. Okay? I want to ask you four questions about them now. Uh, which of these looks best on you? Okay? Compassionate heart, kindness, humility, Meekness, patience, forbearance. We talked earlier about people's items of clothing. Okay, which item of this looks best on you? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. You're really getting the message. All right. I, I meant for you to answer the question yourself, not ask it for somebody else. Uh, I mean, I could... Anyway, um, so we have these qualities here. And it's a question we need to ask ourselves. If people were to look at me and they could see these qualities in me, which one would they think looks best on me? Okay, first question. All right, second question. Um, which one of these are you not wearing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> mm. Well, it's a good question, though, isn't it? Yeah. Good question to have a look at that and say, okay, am I compassionate? Am I kind? Am I humble? Uh, am I meek? Am I patient? Am I forbearing? Good question. And because um, it's easy for, well, we all have things we find easier than others, but there's really, an, I don't think any of these are an option. Not an option. Like preaching might be an option and singing might be an option. It's for one person, not for another. Writing children's books is another. 
uh, winning art competitions is another. Uh, you know, these, these are options, but this, these are not options. These are not options. This, this, we need them. It's, so the options are say it's like going out wearing only one shoe or something like that. There's no option. You, you put them on and they're all on to stay. Okay? Number three, which of these is in need of repair? Now, if you look at the young lady there, she's a match girl from Victorian England. If you look at her clothing, you can see that there's some things need fixing, like uh, on her left arm, the, a lot of the sleeve is disappearing, and she's got holes in her hat, so her hair is kind of poking through. Got patches on the pinafore. Um, you probably see some other things if you look closely, but she obviously is poor. It's probably not all her fault, but there's some repair work needs doing. To say, in our lives, okay, which of these needs repairing? Same things again. Could we do better with compassion? Could we do better with kindness? Could we do better with humility or meekness or patience or forbearance? Which of those needs fixing up? Okay, number four. What other clothes are you wearing? <laughs> what other clothes? So he says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you? Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Put those things to death. Once, uh, many years ago, I was at Sturt Street Church. I preached one Sunday night on the topic, the sin of the century. It was the 20th century. The sin of the century. And uh, it was a Sunday night service and all afternoon people coming saying, what is it? I can't come tonight. What is it? Tell me what it is. It won't be. Because <laughs> uh, they wanted to know. But it was actually covetousness. Although we live in a century where everybody, in, certainly in Western society, everybody covets everything. We always want something better, want the latest model, want the latest iPhone or the, the um, latest electronic music uh, gadget, whichever one happens to be, or the latest car, the latest uh, food mixer or whatever. It, it's covetousness and it's a huge thing across our society where we are being just all the time just in, in, you know, impounded with this message we must have so much more than we have already. I talked to Louis before about... Um, not preaching through stories necessarily, but the message just being there. I mean, the world doesn't actually preach. It just keeps giving us a message all the time. And it just, and in every way you look, the message is there. It's there in the artwork and the pictures and the movies and the music. All the way, it's there all the way through. And on a broader scale, I mean, when was the last time you saw an adventure film and the hero, James Bond, or whoever he happens to be, is stuck in a difficult position, the enemy all around, bullets flying and everything. And so he turns to his mate and he says, brother, this is time to pray. <laughs> so what do they do? Of course they respond with violence or in different situations they might say, oh, I need a drink. Yeah, the movie doesn't get up and say, thou must drink. <laughs> but it just comes through. It just comes through all the time. This is what you do. When you're in trouble, you have a drink. When you're in trouble, you fight back. That's the message we get. And so, um, subtly there all the time, all the time. So, um, and that's what, what covetousness is. It's a, the message there all the time. Um, it becomes idolatry because we begin to worship the very things that we are told we must have, regardless. It's very much the sin of the century. It's idolatry. But there's evil desire, there's passion, impurity, immorality, all these things. Well, he says, put those things to death. In other words, take them off and burn them or something because those things are incompatible with being God's chosen, holy, beloved 
people. All right. And then we come to this one, bearing one another with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Forgiving one another. Well, the question is not what to say, what not to say about this. There's so much we could stress about forgiveness because so much of what is wrong in the world today is because people don't forgive each other. So much marriage problem is because people don't forgive each other. So many political issues are because people don't forgive each other. It is a serious issue. Okay, let's look at a little story here. I don't know if any of you remember Kim Fook. Uh, you probably remember the picture in the top left-hand corner because it was published all around the world in uh, 1972, I think it was, where this little girl, 10 years old, was caught in a napalm attack in Vietnam. Her burned clothes all burned off, her left arm almost destroyed, and the photographer caught this picture of her just running down the streets, terrified, trying to get away from the horrors of modern warfare. And there she is in the bottom pictures. Can I get a light here? There she is in the bottom pictures uh, as an adult. Now, she had a dream, Kim Fook, uh, to be a doctor. That's what she wanted to do. Um, but the authorities in Vietnam, after her accident, said she couldn't do that. They wanted her to work in the villages or somewhere. Um, by the way, she had something like 14 operations because of the injuries she sustained. She spent months and months in hospital uh, for the next 10 years. So she began to read and to find out what was, why life was, was like it was and why things happened as they happened. And so in the course of reading, she re found a Bible. And reading the Bible, she came to Jesus. And 10 years after that accident, when she was 20 years old, uh, she became a Christian. And so changed her whole life. And she learned to forgive. She said before that, uh, she had been exceedingly bitter. She was angry, angry at the... Americans for the napalm attack, angry at the Vietnamese because of the way they treated her, angry at the authorities because they wouldn't let her be a doctor, and angry at everything, angry at her pain, at her injuries. Um, but then she found Jesus, and he found her, and she learned to forgive. And so that's when she said this, Forgiveness made me free from hatred. I still have many scars on my body and severe pain most days, but my heart is cleansed. Napalm is very powerful, but faith, forgiveness, and love are much more powerful. We would not have war at all if everyone could learn how to live with true love, hope, and forgiveness. A wonderful story. And that's a very dramatic occasion, but we could kind of change this here and say um, we would not have domestic discord if everyone learned how to live with forgiveness and true love. We would not have splits in churches if we could learn to live with true love, hope, and forgiveness. We would not have violence in the streets we can learn to live with hope and love and forgiveness forgiveness is such a powerful thing and isn't it uh, i guess most striking of all see how jesus on the cross the prayer he prayed was father forgive them for they don't know what they're doing i read that and i say they did know what they were doing <laughs> what do you mean they don't know what they're doing they jolly well did know but yet, I guess Jesus was saying, well, deep down, their eyes were blinded. Deep down, they just didn't understand. And, but here's Jesus on a cross. And, 
and there's no organ playing in the background, there's no band, there's no singers, you know, there's no air conditioning, there's no people in the background on their knees praying, praying for him. He's there alone, hanging in one of the most agonizing deaths ever devised for humankind. And there he is saying, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. And we get upset and angry and unforgiving about the most trivial things sometimes. But uh, this is one of the great things of which Jesus said the pattern, forgive one another. Well, we must move on to the final thing now. And above all else, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And again, we've mentioned the word before, love is agape, unconditional love. So he says here, put on love. Again, it's like um, the word um, put on, get dressed in, get dressed in love. And it's not romantic love, and romantic love is nice. Uh, romantic love is pretty easy because the other person is obviously very attractive. It's not family love, and that just sort of comes fairly naturally to most people. But the agape love, the thing about it is that um, it's not a matter of feeling, it's a matter of choice. We love like this because we choose to love, because very often this love applies to people who aren't very nice and not very lovable. And so it's hard to love them. I mean, I look at my wife, easy to love her. She's such a beautiful person in all sorts of ways. Easy to love her. And I uh, look at Chad and it's easy to love him. <laughs> 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 Did you see the way he's dancing around here with his kids before? Yeah. And, um, but some people, it's very hard to love. Some feel very difficult. Um, I remember one old chap used to come, we used to pastor a church at Rosewater years ago. And this old chap used to come wandering around sometimes and, and he would bail me up after a meeting at night and we'd stand out in the footpath talking. And I have never in my whole life ever met anybody with breath that spilt as bad as his did. <laughs> he was uh, the most outstanding example known to humanity as far as I could tell. And you know, just to stand and talk, he had to kind of duck every time he opened his mouth. It was uh, yeah, <laughs> awful. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Jesus says, they're the sort of people we need to love. And they okay, I'll bear, I'll bear. <laughs> Not easy sometimes, and that was a fairly trivial example. Sometimes it's very much harder than that, as in the story we just saw. Above everything else, put on love. Okay, that's a good place to stop. Let's stand up, if we would. Let's pray. And while we are praying, just think about what we've said this morning. Dress your best. Um, what kind of clothes are you wearing right now, spiritually speking? Have you still, wear, still got them all on? Are they still there? Are they, and which ones really shine out in your life? People know you for your compassion or your kindness, your forbearance, your long-suffering, your patience, your kindness, your humility. What do they know you for? And what is it that really stands out about you? Well, that's for you to answer. So, Heavenly Father, I pray that today this message, O oh Lord, will, from Paul's writings, will touch all of our hearts. And, Lord, that we will certainly begin to, uh, once again, to think about just the uh, importance of staying dressed in the things that really matter. 
Lord, just pray for all of us today that you will speak to our hearts. And if there are items of clothing that we are missing or that we need to repair, or if we're wearing some things we shouldn't be wearing, dear God, then we'll help us to face up to those things right now. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you've enjoyed today's message. Remember to check us out at baysidechurch.org.au. And of course, if you're ever in the area, please pop in and say good day.